Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. All right, we are going to go in our Bibles to the book of Luke. It's going to be a while, sorry, book of Matthew chapter 25. It's going to be a while before we use it. Uh, but turn with me to uh, Matthew 25. And this is our second week of a new series entitled Benjamins. We wanted to call it Get Rich or Tithe Trying. Um, decided that that was uh, kind of like a, a bit of a red flag to somebody out there to say something about us. But uh, the theme of this is Benjamins or talking about money. And this morning I want to talk to you about what God wants us to know about money. That's our title. What God wants us to know about money. And it's important for us to know about money that there are 500 verses in the Bible that talk about prayer. There are 500 verses in the Bible that talk about faith. And there are over 2,000 verses in the Bible that talk about money. It is a massive topic of the Bible. In fact, there's only ever one either or given by Jesus when it comes to our faith. He said, you cannot serve both God and money. It is an either or. So this topic of money is front and center in the Bible. So as we've been building up to this series, I've had this series on my heart for months and months and months. And during the buildup, I fleshed out this message. And originally it had eight points. Then the eight points got reduced to five points. And uh, by the time it made it to delivery this morning, I've broken it down to just three things. I wanna labor three points this morning. What God wants you and I to know about this topic of money. It is crucial that we understand what the Bible teaches about money. It's the principal thing for which you give your time. The number one thing that every person in this room is probably gonna give their lives to is the accumulation of more of it. So what God thinks about it is hugely important for us. Now, I should have a point four in this, but I've left it out because we stress it so often in our rise journey, and that is obviously that God is generous. You can just put that somewhere on your notes, but God obviously is generous and wants us to be generous too. So what, God, what does God want us to know about money? The first thing is that God wants you to know that wealth comes slowly through diligence. If you and I are gonna understand what the Bible teaches about money, it is very, very important to know straight up that the Bible does not say that wealth comes quickly. If you're reading the Bible with an honest heart and nobody wants to, but if we are, then the overwhelming theme of the Scripture is that wealth comes slowly through diligence. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 21, verse five, this is it. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste, quick, leads to poverty. The Bible is not saying to us that we should aim to get rich quick. It's saying the opposite. We should aim to get rich slowly, progressively, through diligence and faithfulness in our lives. Can I get a little amen? In the book of Proverbs, again, chapter 28 and verse 19 and 20, it says, he who works his land will have abundance food, but the one who chases fantasies will have his full of poverty. The faithful man, just consistent, 
diligent, not stopping, just faithful. The faithful man will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. You know, if no matter what age you are, what stage you are, if there is a way that Christians ruin their lives, people ruin their lives, it is through the attempt to get rich quick. It is not the teaching of the scripture. In fact, there is no such thing as get rich quick. There's high risk quick, the possibility that it could come off, but the high likelihood, massive likelihood that it will not come off. Uh, you know, in church life, sometimes in the past, Christians have been very susceptible to people because we're so believing in other people who call themselves Christians, and somebody will come along and say, if you invest in this, it's going to give you 15% return, 18% return. They must add to that maybe slim chance, remote likelihood. There is a reason why we talk about high-risk investment, because high-risk means there is a high-risk that it will not come off. If we want to accumulate wealth, then we've got to realize no matter what age or stage we're at, that wealth comes slowly and through diligence. You know, uh, sometimes you hear people say, you know, I'm gonna invest in that, or I'm gonna invest in this, and you know, it's gonna make me a lot of money. But if we're honest, the motive behind the investment is that they want to get rich quick. And it's so important that we realize that this is not God's way. This is not God's way, and it is not the teaching of the Bible. God does want us to invest, but if we're going to invest, it should never be for the short term. It should also always be for long-term gains. If we're gonna make an investment, the second thing that we should be investing in is something that we've been involved in for some area of time. Oh, there's this breakthrough area. There's this new thing over here. I don't know anything about it, but there's this powder, you know, there's this new line of products. You can't test it. You've never been involved in that area, but yeah, sink every living dollar you have into it because somebody said it was gonna work out. Haste leads to poverty. One who wants to get rich, is eager to get rich, will not go unpunished. But he who works his land will have abundant food. And in other words, the overwhelming theme of our Bible is that if you want to become wealthy, then be diligent. And that God's way to wealth is both diligent and deliberate. God works with us progressively. He works with us incrementally so that what we receive, we will be able to handle. We've all seen the documentaries about people who won lotto, you know, won some kind of other thing, got some kind of great, you know, inheritance from a random source, but they weren't used to having money and as quickly as it came in is as quickly as it came out. And even though I wholly believe that God wants to prosper and bless His people, we'll get to that, I fundamentally believe that we do not get a massive lump out of heaven into our laps. If we want to be blessed, it talks about, the Bible talks about starting now with a pattern of faithfulness and working that pattern of faithfulness progressively. In fact, if you're reading the Bible honestly, the Bible actually says God won't give it to you all at once. 
He will give it to you slowly and progressively. Here's Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 22. God is literally saying, the Lord, your God, will drive out those nations before you, key, key phrase, little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once, or the wild animals will multiply around you. There will be obstacles, hindrances. By the way, when I think of wild animals, I think of internal demons, just the stress and, and the, 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 the burden of suddenly being given something that's too big for you. You could get a lot of money, but end up broken, depressed, you know, enslaved by anxiety. So God works in our lives always progressively. Too much of a good thing is a bad thing. There's not a lot of amens today, but it's all right. I'm fine with that. I'm secure in myself, all right. Um, if we wanna live the Bible's plan for our lives, then we've gotta recognize that it is best to aim for progressive increase. You know, somebody's gonna say, well, you know, well, I'm gonna do this and it's gonna make a lot of money. Um, but instead of that, I think our goal should be to aim in the right direction, be faithful to the right course. Here's another verse from the New Testament. First uh, Timothy 6 verse 9 was in our message last week. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Don't aim to get rich, aim to steward well what you have. Now, do I believe that God does increase you? Absolutely. But seasons of high return are always preceded always preceded by long seasons of low return. God works quickly, slowly. This is the way it works. I've found that the journey of wealth, the journey of God's calling, the journey of God's promotion is just about faithfulness to an ongoing direction. And then it's like the compounding factor begins to kick in. And then we suddenly realize that we are abundantly blessed, but we didn't get there by a miraculous entry of, you know, money. It got there because you did the right thing long enough. Amen. Number two, the second thing that I think God wants us to know is that God wants you to know that stewardship is important. Stewardship is important. Overwhelming theme of the Bible when it comes to finance is that stewardship is important. Here's our main text in Matthew 25, verse 22. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, master, I knew you were a harsh man. We're gonna talk about that later. Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the ground. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? By the way, whose money is your money? God's money, right? Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. 
Then he ordered, take the money from this guy and give it to the one who had 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have abundance. But to the, from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless, that's harsh, servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Literally talking about money, this is what the Bible says. It says to those who use well what they were given, more will be given and they will have abundance. But if you don't use what you've got, then even what little you have will be taken away. Massive theme of the Bible is that God is hugely into stewardship. Our intentional usage of what He blesses us with is the fundamental prerequisite of all more that God blesses our lives with. He does not give more to those who do not use well what they already have. Stewardship is important to God. Can I get a little amen? The thing about money is that money is an opportunity. It's an opportunity. Every time money comes into our hands, what we do with it or not is either going to, what we do with it is either gonna qualify us for more or it won't. It's either gonna increase our potential or it won't. And the Bible just says, if you use well what you're given, then God will give you more of it. If you don't use what little you've got, then even what you do have will be taken away. And this is the challenge of stewardship. It is the fundamental challenge of money. So many people are saying, I want God, if God loved me, if God's this God of blessing, then why doesn't he give me more? Well, the Bible gives you a pretty great challenge, self-test that you can take and say, what are you doing with what he already gave to you? This is the fundamental requirement of finances. Is this not true? Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. You will not become more integrous with higher levels of income. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches. This is Jesus speaking, words in red. And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Now God is speaking to us, Jesus is talking to us, and he is specifically saying, if we have not used well the money that we were given, even if it was very little, then there is no way God is going to trust us with more. He also then goes on to say, if we don't use the money that we've been given well, it's not just a disqualification for more money, it's a disqualification from God using us 
in a greater way. If we want God to use us in His call, then we must use our money well. We must maximize our finances if we want God to bless us in our lives. Everything about kingdom promotion comes back to finances, how we budget, how we handle our resources, how we use our money. God is watching how we use the money He gave to us. What did you do with what I gave you? That is the question He is asking us, and He expects an answer. My mother used to tell me when we were children, if you look after the pennies, the pounds will look after themselves. Today, for all the young people, if you look after the cents, then the dollars will look after themselves. If you want to own your own home, then be a good steward of the one that you're renting. That's what the Bible says. If you want your own car, then don't borrow the one you're borrowing and return it dirty and with no petrol. If you want God to bless you, then steward whatever is in your hand well. That is what the Bible teaches. Man, this is so important. Um, uh, you know, we cannot be slack with what we've been given and then expect God's blessing. It just doesn't work like that. Um, you know, when Jillian and I rented, rented our little one-bedroom cottage in Auckland for, for seven years, it had a, 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 an iron fence, a chicken wire fence, you know, as part of the property. And the chicken wire had kind of dilapidated and people could walk in and out and then just had these, you know, concrete posts. So I contacted the landlord and said, how about I take out the fence and I just plant a line of pittosporums. So this is my journey into gardening began. So I, I went along, it took me an entire day, but I took out all the concrete posts. She was a, 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 a lady in her 40s and, you know, just, just her owned the home. So, not, not, you know, she wasn't physically probably able to do that. So I, I did it for her, planted these pittosporums, bought them myself, you know, so planted some other plants, a beautiful bougainvillea. It's still there on the front of the house to this very day. And we looked after it. I, 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 I didn't iron, I mowed those lawns. <laughs> I mowed those lawns. Tended that garden. Stewardship, stewardship. Looking after what we've got is the key, the key thing that God is looking for. Proverbs chapter six, verse 10 and 11. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. In other words, if we want to be lazy and just come home from work, sit on the chair, never look after our budget, not manage our finances, and then pray for God's blessing. The Bible is absolutely saying your prayers do not line up with the total truth of the Word of God. Now, if you're on a low income, season of lack, you're budgeting tight, you're working well, doing everything you can, and then you pray, well, God is faithful and able to supply and will meet our every need according to His riches and glory. The problem is we can't pray the one without living the other. Stewardship. 
I mean, last, year, last week we talked about debt and I talked to you about how the fact that I created that spreadsheet and I looked at how much money was coming into our family and how much was going out and the changes that we had to make. That's a principle called closing the circle, closing the circle. If there is one thing that every person must do in their lives, I encourage you to do it as young as you possibly can, is to close the circle. What does that mean? Work out what is within the smallest circle possible possible, that you absolutely need to live on. How much do you really need to eat, to pay insurances, to rent the property or pay the mortgage off? What do you really need? And work out the smallest or the, the circle of your living. Have a dollar figure. I need to bring in this every week. Then ask yourself the question, how can I take that circle and make it smaller? I mean, I just don't like gym membership contracts. I never hire purchase. I mean, we, can, we have a Sky account, but I can afford it now. But you know, we go through and we try and get that budget as tight and as small. Do you really need two cars? If you're not owning your own home, do you really need the size home that you're currently renting? Get that circle as small as you can. Then ask a question. This is my income. How can I make my income higher? Ask a question, what could I do that would allow me to become more profitable in my work environment, more profitable in my life? Where are my investments, short-term and long-term? By the way, get KiwiSaver. Aim for your long-term investments. Then, then, once we've got that, we know where we're going. And the goal is to produce surpluses. Once the surpluses have been produced, that's when stewardship kicks in. I mean, the number of people in 20 years of pastoral ministry I've counseled who, you know, the moment there is a surplus, it's a race between husband and wife to spend it first before the other person gets to spend it. The goal is not to spend it. The goal is to accumulate it, to make it yours and to as purposefully as possible put that to work so that that money works for you. This is what it means to be a good steward. This is really basic, isn't it? I hope, I hope it's coming across okay. All right, number three, the third one, and this is, is equally as important as the first two. Number one, we need to know that when it comes to God, He is absolutely saying wealth comes slowly and through diligence. Number two, that, he is, that stewardship counts to Him. And number three, we need to know that God wants, to, wants you to know that He wants to bless you. If there is something that needs to be deep-rooted in the heart of every believer, it is a fundamental conviction. If you believe in Jesus, I want this to not be surface deep. I don't want it to be something that comes out of your mouth but is proved untrue with the way that you live or pray. It needs to go right to the very core of we are that the fundamental desire of God is to bless, increase, and prosper His people. God wants to prosper His people. I wanna say that word about five or six times. Prosper, 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 prosper. God wants to prosper His people. If there is ever a stupid question that I get asked, 
It's, you know, does Arise believe in that prosperity doctrine? Dumbest question in the world. Because it's kind of like the vaguest thing that can just identify you with the strangest of people. I don't believe that God wants me to own my own jet unless I really needed one. I don't believe that God requires me to drive a Bentley or I don't have faith. But does God want you to have a reliable car? Absolutely. Does God want you to feed your children and then be able to feed some children around you? Of course He does. Does God want to bless you because you believe in Him? Of course He does. What kind of father wants to see their children suffering? Yeah, yeah, I really want you to be starving, broke, and miserable, arguing about every last cent. No, that's not what God wants for His people. God is a good father, and He knows how to give us good gifts. This whole journey of faith, our father in the faith is called in the Bible, Abraham, and the opening verse of our pilgrimage of faith the father of the faith. God said to him, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. That's how this journey got kicked off. And then God did bless him. And then Isaac, his own son was blessed and Jacob was blessed. And then Israel, the family tribe, went down to Egypt and because they were there, Egypt became the most prosperous land in the then known world. When Israel left Egypt, their crops were gone, their every green leaf was gone, and they asked their neighboring Egyptians for all their silver and gold, and the Egyptians gave it to them, and the wealth that came with Israel left with Israel. Then they got out in the wilderness and God said, I'm gonna take you into Canaan. And he said, when you go into the promised land, you're gonna live in houses you didn't build. You're gonna have vineyards that you didn't plant. You will harvest crops that you did not sow. Then Jesus said in the New Testament, I have sent you to reap where you have not sown. God absolutely, from beginning to end of the Bible, wants to bless His people. Come on, if you believe it, give Him. Oh, there's a lot more clapping now. I just want to pause and say there's a lot more clapping in this third point than there were in the first two. It's calling a spade a spade. Hey, we're gonna jump back to the Old Testament, then go to the New Testament with some verses. Proverbs 13, verse 22. Good people live an inheritance to their grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. I tell our business leaders all the time, the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. If there are three people tendering for a job and you're gonna use it to feed starving children, to build a church that's gonna heal marriages and lift up the right kind of life and be all about curing dysfunction in the community, or give it to one of the other two tenants. And you know, this guy's left his wife for a new model who's younger and sporty. This guy spends all his money on gambling and alcohol. Who does God want to get the contract? You. God wants to bless you. This is the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. In the middle of an entire chapter where every theme is about money. Oh, God wants you to be rich in mercy. No, he doesn't. That whole chapter is about resources, finances, the challenge of giving, 
That's what this entire chapter is about. And in the middle of it, though Jesus was rich, for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. It echoes 2 Corinthians 5, that though it said he was righteous, he became sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. He was righteous, became sin, so we might be righteous. He was rich, he became poor, so that we might become rich too. God wants to bless his people. How deeply, how deeply and fundamentally a Christian believes that will be the degree to which they prosper in their lives. Again, back to Matthew 25. What did the guy with the one talent say? You were a harsh man. I knew this about you. You were an austere God. Harsh, judgmental, extracting. You're mean-spirited. He didn't worship a God of grace, the guy with the one talent. Are you tracking with me? And so because of that, I was afraid when it came to this area of investment. I was afraid to get out there and put my hand up for the job. I was afraid to believe that God was gonna prosper me. Listen, there's only one way you're gonna succeed in life, in love, and in investment, and that's when you believe that God is for you and not against you. God is for you. He is not against you. Come on, if you believe that, can we have a little pause, a break, and say, yes, God is for me. I believe, I believe that our lives only ever get lived to the level of the truth that we adhere to. The number one reason I think why Christians don't prosper financially is that they doubt whether God wants them to or not. I wholly, wholly, wholly believe with every fabric of my being that God is not troubled by any person increasing in resources if their heart is generous and their worship is of God. The Bible is full of rich people who worshiped him. Job was the most prosperous man in the world and that was the first book ever written in the Bible. Abraham was wealthy. The Bible does not have a problem with you increasing your financial position. It does have a problem with any person worshiping or bowing to money and allowing it to become a significant idol in their lives. But if our heart is towards Christ, then his every desire is to increase us so that we can increasingly become a blessing in the world that is around us. Come on, do you believe that today? This is a really important thing. Uh, as the band come and join me in every campus, uh, let me just put it to you like this. If you were to buy me a lotto ticket, this is how deeply I believe this. If you bought me a lotto ticket, if you gave me the lotto ticket, I would not keep it. I would screw it up, tear it up, probably not in front of you because I, I don't like conflict any more than the next guy. But my life, my dreams, and my financial future are in no way attached to any randomness that any lottery, any fundamental thing out there could ever bring into my world. God wants to prosper His people. God wants to prosper you. 
So then it's not about getting the right ticket with the magic numbers and it's not about spending what you've got before the wife gets to spend it. It's about doing the fundamentals. Live with a tight budget. Buy a home that you can afford. Invest in your KiwiSaver at an early age. Start the journey in your 50s, 60s or 70s so that at least your kids might get a little bit that comes into the future. But make a decision that we're gonna do this thing well knowing, knowing that when we start to live like God wants us to live, then every promise that He's got for those people begins to be a qualifier for me in my life. And then suddenly that slowly blessing of God rapidly will begin to turn up in every faithful believer's life. God wants to bless His people. If you believe that, can we give Him a little bit of praise right now? Come on, come on, come on. I I wanna encourage every person, every person, that this money thing is hugely important. I've been so excited by all the people that in our church have been telling me, I went home after last week's sermon, got out my budget, I redid it. I've been so excited about people that have been using that Benjamins at arisechurch.com to say, you know, we wanna find out more about how we can be better financial stewards of our resources. You know, we, got, we, wanna, we wanna help people in our church to increase in this area. And I want us to understand that this area is hugely, hugely, hugely important to God. 500 verses on prayer, 500 verses on faith, 2,000 verses speaking to these themes. How do we use our money? And friends, I believe this is a really important topic. Can we pray together this morning? Father, I just wanna thank you for every person in this church community. I wanna thank you from Whangarei to Dunedin, everybody watching this online in every country around the world. And God, I pray right now that you, you would speak into our hearts concerning this issue, this fundamental issue of huge importance to you. And God, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that we wouldn't, you know, try to give off the air of wealth or pray that we wouldn't aim to get rich quick. I pray that we would worship you with our resources. Hey, just while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, can I throw out this challenge? Would you look normal if God asked you to? Would you live normal if God required that of you? Or does it have to be flashy and famous? Would you choose the long-term blessing and increase over appearance in the here and the now? I think that's probably one of the most fundamental questions about money. And when it comes to you and I, my prayer, my prayer is that for all of us, that we would pass this test, that we would live well with our resources, prove faithful in the little things, faithful in worldly wealth, faithful with what we've been entrusted with so that God will use it to promote us both financially and in His call and purpose for our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray together today. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.